Welcome, welcome to the Bro CR Supercast. Basically, a super cool podcast. See what we did there? <laughs> we discuss all things obstacle course racing, culture, and community that embodies it. From performing athletes, flashy new gear, and secret guacamole recipes. Yummy. We've got you covered, bro. Do you have questions? We want to find answers. Want to talk about running in the mud and your next big adventure? Cool. So do we. Now let's lace up those trail kicks and jump in the corral. The Supercast. The Supercast starts now. And welcome back to episode 22 of the Brosier Supercast. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Um, you're listening to this after Utah has happened. But we yeah. don't know what's happening in Utah because we're actually recording this on a Friday. Yes, we are pre-recording this. So we will bring you the Utah update and the National Series update next week. So stay tuned. <laughs> um, but this week we're going to talk about a race that I just came from. Um, which is toughest mid uh, toughest central, and uh, we've got a very great guest. We've got a great episode. Where and some interesting topics, but before that, um, we're going to talk a little about bit about our sponsor, Vanga CBD. As you guys know, we are brought to you by Vanga CBD. Um, hopefully, everyone got in on their giveaway this week. Um, we, we promoted it. Vanga promoted it. Basically, they were giving out a free Spartan race to a race of your choosing. And not only that, but a big bomb, a big tub of their recovery bomb. So all it took was going to the website, signing up. Um, I know that closes today um, when we're recording this. So winner will be announced on Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, stay tuned on Wednesday social media channels to find out who the winner is. Guys, check it out. It's a great muscle recovery. It's great to use between races when you're you're healing up. Um, just a useful tool. I've used it um, and had great success with that and the new gummies. Check it out. Venga CBD. Use code BROCR. 15% off. There we go. Uh, with that, and with that on we've got a episode. great episode. So today's episode, we are going to talk to somebody that's kind of popped back up on the radars. For those of you who were following Toughest, you may have seen a familiar face or name, I guess, on the um, on the leaderboard for majority of the race, and that is Alec Blennis. Those of you guys who don't know Alec, um, he has been big in the sport, um, big in Spartans, and we've kind of not heard from him. He's been flying under the radar for a little bit, and then there he was just dominating at toughest. So um, those of you who don't know him, kick back and... Here we go. Welcome Alec. to the show, Alec. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it's great you. to have you here, Alec. Um, so, Alec, uh, you want to give us a little bit of background on yourself and kind of where you've been in the sport? Yeah, for sure. I've, I've been in the sport for quite a while. I started back in 2011. Okay. Uh, my first race was the Spartan Sprint in Georgia back April 2011. Uh, I was lucky enough. Uh, back in the day, the sport was, was still small, still growing, so... And had my first podium uh, back then and just started accumulating them from there. Uh, I've done, I think, over 50 obstacle races or over 50 Spartan races specifically at this point. Um, I was part of the Spartan Race Pro Team in 2012, 2013. That's right. And have uh, really enjoyed racing a, a range of distances from the sprints up to 
um, the the beasts, ultra beasts, and dabbled a lot in uh, ultra distance events as well outside of the sport of OCR. Um, but yeah, I think I kind of stepped away back in 2015, I guess. Uh, did some more ultras outside of OCR, uh, and I guess just sort of got burnt out after doing you know racing twice a month, month after month for for several years on end. So took that step back, tried some other races, but for the most part, um, just been enjoying training, enjoying life. Had a lot of different life changes, lived in a couple different states, um, met my wife, got married, uh, started a new job, a lot of different stuff's going on. Uh, you know how life is. Oh, but, for but sure. So where are you uh, based out of now? So right now I'm based out of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. okay. So this is hometown for you there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, okay. So you really started kind of pulling back a little bit when things were at, like at the peak in 2015 time period, <laughs> things were <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> was that a uh, conscious decision at that point or was it just kind of life circumstances taken over and you just didn't have the time? Um, a little bit of everything. I mean, part of it was yeah. I, I enjoyed a good run on the, the pro team. Maybe, if, <coughs> maybe it was 2013, 2014. I can't re- even remember at this point. Uh, but they were just kind of rotating people in and off the team. So I was, once I was off the team and I didn't have all that travel, those travel expenses paid for, it made it a little bit tougher. Uh, I was also finishing up my senior year of my physics degree. Um, wow. So things were getting a little bit tougher um, there as well. So sort of a combination of several factors uh, in addition to just the burnout of race after race, doing the same thing most weekends. You know, talking about that burnout though like we've all been there like weeks in like 2014 2015 going back to back weekends every, every weekend oh yep. my gosh so one I thing i'm always could... i'm always interested in hearing especially from some of the you know the original racers if you will is you know back in 2011 2012 13 you know the sport was still so young and so new how did you get into into the sport from the start yeah, um, you know, originally, God, it was, I was, can't, it's hard to say, uh, hard to believe I was in high school back when I first got into top oh, wow. racing and, and so much has happened since then, but um, I just wasn't uh, enjoying competing for school all that much, um, Been always been more of a solo type, type person, uh, less of a, a team sport kind of person, mm-hmm. so I started getting into more independent running and road racing and and things like that. And to be honest, I was, I was good at cross country, but I was not great at cross country. Um, I was always a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, um, but not quite as fast as, as some of my teammates. So naturally when I saw, um, Spartan race, I thought, well, that looks like something I, I'd be good at and would enjoy. Um, didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously at the time realized what a big journey I was about to, uh, to embark on. Um, but that first race was, was amazing. Met a lot of great people met, uh, Hobie Call was huge inspiration uh, right mm-hmm. away just for getting me to to keep going to those races and uh, training different, uh, training smarter, uh, and just really changed my life that day. Hobie's a cool dude. Yep. <laughs> now, if I remember correctly from, you know, you at your height with Spartan, you were one of the first racers that really subscribe to strength training as being an important part of this all, not just being a runner. I remember you talking about lifting and, and keeping up in the gym as far as your weights go. Has that always been part of your, your training or, you know, what talk about that for us? 
Yeah, you know, I've always I've always liked it uh, and always done strength training, um, but at first it was more um, because I liked it and less out of necessity. And the more that I've really gotten even more serious about the lifting side of things, um, the more I've kind of um, gone all into that side of really the health and fitness industry as a whole. I see it more and more as a necessity uh, and less of an option just from a, not only a performance perspective, but a longevity perspective as well. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're not putting in quality time in the gym, uh, even if your performance not isn't bad today, you're limiting your, your performance long-term and also just the, the quality of life that you can, you can live uh, compared to someone that's just out there putting in mile after mile every week. So is it fair to say that even during this time away from OCR, you've still been maintaining your running and your lifting and your fitness overall? Yeah, you know, I think part of it's been uh, it's been a good move um, because while training, you know, specifically for the sport, um, I just said it really. I was training specifically for the sport, um, mm-hmm. you know, to to the nth degree. I was doing. Uh, grip training and trying to simulate obstacles all the time and trying to figure out how does this running workout replicate, uh, you know, the challenges I'm going to face on race day and all this stuff, um, probably too too much so. Uh, and when I stepped away, um, just focusing on general training, just how can I get generally more in shape? You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to get stronger, period, faster, period, have better endurance, period, uh, and not mm-hmm. focusing so much on like every single layer um, and possible way it could connect to the specifics of a race. I found mm-hmm. that I'm now in the best uh, overall physical shape that I've ever been. Good. And I was, awesome. I was a little bit worried going into toughest, like, well, I haven't done any obstacle specific training. I haven't done any like race specific running workouts. Um, how is it going to go? Like I hadn't run over 45 minutes in months. So um, what in the world were you thinking <laughs> signing up for a 12 hour race? He's ready to party. Yeah, I was just there to, to have a little bit of fun. Um, I was originally thinking my dad was going to do it. He ended up not being able to make it. Um, uh-huh. But it was just going to be a you know sort of fun thing where some friends were going to be there. My dad was going to be there. Um, just doing it, just have some fun, you know. Go for uh, a so this... 12-hour run. <laughs> yeah. Was this a pre-plan, like I'm going to build up for this and, and train for this? Or was this kind of a spur of the moment? Oh, this is local. Why not? Let's try it. Um, I mean... Some of both. There was never that, like, I'm going to build up to this and treat it as a focus race. But mm-hmm. I think it was two months out. I'm like, you know what? I mean, it's, it's close by. I haven't done it's an obstacle race in a long time. I should at least show up and, and do it. Um, but there was no, like, specific aim or focus for it. You were okay. there to have a good time, though. And, that, and I, you know, I, I commend that. It's, it's always a good time. So, first of all, I was there, too. Um, what did you think of the course? You know what? Um, it was my first Tough Mudder of any kind, you know, so I've, I okay. come from a Spartan race. Goodness sakes! Same first here. Tough no, Mudder, I... <laughs> out the park. Same oh. thing me last year in Michigan. I'm really excited to see what your opinion was, because my first was an overnight, too. Yeah, um, coming from, you know, and I don't know if this is because I come from Spartan race or because I come from that, uh, you know, 2011 <laughs> to 2014 era, but uh, I found the course... Uh, extremely easy, um, to be honest. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel fair. like you didn't have to be uh, much 
of an obstacle course specific athlete versus um, just being able to put in miles, which, you know, there, there's obvious, there's certain obstacles that are certainly failable. Like the gauntlet is not something easy yeah, the for gauntlet's everybody. Um, and what are some of the other ones? Um, you had, I don't know. Um, was there Funky Monkey there? Fun- yeah, Funky, Funky Monkey was there. Yeah, so there's there's a couple that leap of know, faith certainly aren't easy, um, mm-hmm. especially for your your average athlete there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean the obstacles were not certainly not slowing uh, me down very much compared to what I'd experienced mm-hmm. several years ago. The only so you really weren't I looking at kinda... failures or penalty loops or anything like that. You were running clean races, clean laps. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, at the same time, that's always been a strength of mine. I think. In the 50-plus Spartan races I did, I would average, you know, one set of 30 bur- burpee penalties for every, you know, three to five races. So I'm yep. not the, I was never the type of person that failed obstacles very often. Uh, and if I did, it was probably like a balance obstacle or something. Um, mm-hmm. So The thing I, I like about, the thing that intrigues me about Tough Mudder versus it's like a Spartan race. So, okay, you, you mess up in a Spartan race. Like, let's say you miss your spear. You're going to jump over there and do 30 burpees. Or you, you miss your monkey bars. Or something. You're going to jump over and do 30 burpees. Which you shouldn't be missing your monkey bars. But in Tough Mudder, a lot of these things, and there were only four things with penalty laps, some of the stuff that is grip intensive is kind of technical, like Funky Monkey or the Gauntlet. But the other ones you can't really bypass. And some of them take a bit. Like the Gauntlet, the, um, no, the, the Mudder Horn there at the end. That takes mm-hmm. a bit of time. Yeah. Well, and you know, I was strategic with my uh, my skips. So you know, after twenty miles, you get yeah, you got a band. Skip one obstacle. So I figured you do it on Mudderhorn. Taking the most time. <laughs> um, that was a good tip. One of the athletes I work with, Javier, suggested that. It's like if you can yeah. skip Mudderhorn because it's a time suck. So yeah. he's absolutely right about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, my first that sprint lap was was thirty five minutes. And then, you know, later on in the race, my, I slowed the pace down a little bit, but I think by lap three, I was doing all the obstacles and the total time combined for all those obstacles was like 10, 12 minutes, yeah. uh, which is not a lot of time, especially compared to, you know, one, back in 2014, the Spartan World Championship in Vermont, I spent 40 minutes on one sandbag carry. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing about Tough Mudder. There really isn't that kind of an obstacle. I think that, you know, with Tough Mudder, especially, you know, especially if you're a stronger upper body, taller guy, (laughs) there's really not much. I don't think, you know, that you, me being a short girl, there's several obstacles that I just need help on from a height person. Like, you got to boost me or pull me or, or whatever. But I think for your average taller guy, you know, there really aren't that many obstacles. I don't think that the accomplished athlete is going to struggle with. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a tall guy, but any stretch I'm five, six. So that, mm-hmm. that second phase of the gauntlet, um, where you're kind of out in a extended plank mm-hmm. and you didn't take that middle row, which I, I didn't, uh, that was a bit of a stretch, so that was mm-hmm. that was a fun challenge there. Um, okay, but yeah, uh, I so, had a thought there and I lost it. So you guys keep oh, going for a second. Sorry. <laughs> so no, you're good. You're I good. will. So I, no, I will I, admit. Oops, sorry. I want to cut you off, Leah. I'm gonna cut you off because nope, I'm gonna go I'm right gonna ahead. comment on Alec here because I was there at 2014 at the at the 
um, World Championship double sandbag carry. And I know exactly what you're talking about. It's so weird to be able to go around a course in the same – a five-mile course in the same time that it took you to do one sandbag carry a few years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I don't know if – you know, I haven't done a Spartan race since 2015, I think. So I don't know if they're still taking it to that level. They're um, not. No, not to that level that they used to. I mean, there's still some courses that there's, you know, there's some time sucking sandbags and some so carries, but not. I'm going like to ask you, Alec, do you remember the, did you ever do Palmerton? I never did get the, to PA, no. Okay. So Palmerton had an infamous sandbag carry. Um, it was a double sandbag carry, and that's actually where they first tried out the double sandbag carry. I think it was like in 2013, it was 2014 because it was the first time they tried it there, and that's why they brought it to Vermont. Um, this year was the first year that they didn't do a double sandbag carry in Palmerton even. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of, that was kind of my thought process. I was like, huh, it's you a, know, go ahead. What I would like to see, uh, in terms of like, it's something like toughest is they had those level up lanes and they yep. weren't mm-hmm. putting them to any use, uh, in the toughest event. What I'd like to see <laughs> is like a, a legit level up lane where it gets a lot, lot harder. And if you're able to make it through that lane of the obstacle, you get to take a shortcut. So they're yeah. rewarding people that now that's I would agree. That's I how agree it is at sure. World's Toughest Mudder. Some some obstacles at World's Toughest will have like two lane options, um, whereas if you do the t- like the hardest part, you get to keep going. But if you do the easier of the one, you have to take a little penalty. And if you are unable to complete either option, you have to take a big penalty. So they do have that, but I agree with you. I think that having more of that would be good. Personally, yeah. I thought the yeah. level up lane on Funky Monkey was actually even easier <laughs> because <laughs> it, like, there was less to grab onto. I'm like, okay, I'll just, yeah, here we go. <laughs> right. Well, and people don't do it as much. It's a little drier. Right? Yep, exactly. So for those of us who were not at the race, um, I self-proclaimed, you know, result stalker. I'm online stalking these results, watching the people that I know that are there, seeing how the field is shaking down. And, you know, I'm watching the top 10 and I see your name pop up from the very start. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I didn't know, first of all, I didn't know he he ran Tough Mudders, which obviously you didn't. Um, But I'm watching these times coming and you blaze through the sprint lap and then you blaze through the next one and two laps and your times are just, Kill. I mean, we're talking like eight, nine minute mile pace with the obstacles for the first, you know, couple laps. And so, you know, instantly my thoughts are, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Like, is he going to be able to keep this pace up the whole time? You know, how is this going to shake out? And as the hours are going by, I'm watching and, you know, lap two, lap three, lap four, lap five, lap six. And you're staying consistent. You're keeping that pace. And I'm watching the, the gap grow between you and the other competitors behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm assuming things are going pretty well for you those first several several laps. Were you having any struggles? I know you said you weren't struggling with the obstacles. But the first, you know, six, seven laps, were you feeling good? Were you feeling strong? What was that like for you? Yeah. Um... You know, that first, I, it's funny, I showed up to the race and I realized I forgot my watch at home. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, shoot, now I'm not going to be able to write a, as good of a race report with the, the data, because that's kind of what I like to do in the past, which just have all those numbers. But like, you know what, I've 
I've been training mostly without my watch. I haven't been posting the Strava. I've been doing that stuff. I've just been running by fuel. Um, so why not just do the same thing here? So as I went out on that sprint lap, I didn't really know what kind of pace we were doing. Um, I just tried to estimate my like aerobic threshold pace or, or something that I can sustain for a long time without without getting too tired. I don't want um, to overdo it. So we get into mile one and someone's watch beeps and they're like, oh man, that was a 650, I think. And I was like, oh, that's a little faster than I was hoping, you know, especially through the grass and stuff like that. But I'm like, well, I feel good. So let's just keep going with it. Uh, and so we end up that, that first five mile lap and just under 35 minutes. So assuming the distance was close, looking at about a seven minute mile um, mm -hmm. effort there. And it's like, well, I'm just going to keep it going and see how many laps I can get before the obstacles all start turning on. Um, so even by lap two, there was like two or three. Uh, they had those walls at the beginning and something else. So, you know, some minutes started the thing to I will be added on. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. The thing I would say about um, I feel like at this one, compared to the few other ones I've done from the toughest, they turn the obstacles on pretty quick this time. Yeah. Yeah, and there was there was a couple lap two that was almost all of them by lap three, um, yep. but honestly, I think I maintained that sprint lap pace for probably the first uh, five of the laps. Yeah. Because um, even at you know lap five, you know marathon split going into mile twenty five twenty six, I was under four hours still, so it was a pretty solid pace up to that point. I probably added another 30 45 seconds a mile the lap after that after mm -hmm. 30 miles so after six laps mm -hmm. um i stopped in my tent for a little bit just to eat a little bit more than i had been and obviously mm -hmm. that's when you start tightening up stiffening up a little bit uh, and i had some friends in there and i'm like i don't know guys like 30 miles seems like it's good for the night i don't really want to keep running and they're like no like you can't just do 30 <laughs> And so I had stood in there with him for like 10 minutes. I'm like, all right, fine. I'm going to do, do it again. Um, I'm like, I'll, maybe I'll just do 40 and like get my world's, world's qualifier. Um, so like, yeah, do that. That sounds good. So I, I went out and I ran another lap, probably the same pace, but I had that kind of 10-minute break in the tent. Um, and after that, I stopped again. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't want to do 40. Like, my legs are starting to get tired. I haven't run more than 45 minutes in the past couple months. So... I feel pretty good about where I'm at and it was like, okay, they didn't like push back or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So it was an, an easy uh, place to stop. You know, could I have kept going? I mean, yeah, it's really just a matter of how much that I want to hurt the next day and the rest of the week. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it felt good because I was able to, you know, help pack up, carry things in the car, walk like a normal human being and not, you know, have to crawl or take a trip to the med tent, which is, is always a nice way to end the race. So, you know, I probably could have kept that pace up another three laps. I think 55 miles would have been, you know, a no-brainer. That uh, Evan and and Matthew pushing the 60 is pretty killer. Yeah. Trying to get that last lap in before, before 8 a.m. It doesn't matter how fast you are or what the, the time is. Getting that uh, 12th lap in would have been brutal. Yeah, the... The, with Evan and the other guy that hit 60, that was surely insane. That was yeah. really, really impressive. Yeah. And I was there with um, with Brody, who tried for 55. Um, 
and when he came across, he I've not seen a guy that wiped in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's such a different perspective. So you know, I along with you know many others that weren't there were watching. We're watching, and all of a sudden, your name kind of disappears, and then the question is. Oh my gosh, did he get hurt? Did he stop? Like, what happened? Um, And so I know personally, I was waiting to kind of find out what had happened. And then I saw that you had posted, you know, kind of like a brief little recap the next morning, basically explaining what, you know, what you just told us. Um, And I think you, you even referenced another race where you were doing really well. And then same thing, you just stopped. Is that right? Yeah. You know, there's, it's funny. There's been sort of a string of them, but they're they're all different. Um, mm-hmm. The most notable would be uh, this last winter. I did something called the Tuscobia Winter Ultra, which is a self-supported 80-mile sled drag across uh, northern Wisconsin in the middle of winter. Um, oh, jeez. So yeah, dragging 15, 20 pounds of supplies and a sled behind you um, for 80 miles in the snow, and it was kind of how this was my first Tough Mudder or toughest. Um, this was my first time doing a race in legitimate winter, you know, in the north because I'm originally from Atlanta. <laughs> in full out. So I'm go like, well, go home, huh? why not do an 80-mile self-supported sort of thing? Um, why not? Oh, man. It ended up being pretty good conditions for it. I mean, I know two years ago they had, like, it was negative 30 degrees, and this year it was positive oh, 10. Um, so much much better than it could have been still not ideal for running 80 miles but nevertheless i i got into it i actually did put together a really good dedicated training block for it um so it was probably the the best distance shape i'd been in going into it and so they they said it was an 80 mile race i got to um i was at mile 67 on my watch so i'm thinking okay there's 13 miles to go i'm right here at the end well on course record pace this is good. Uh, and I, I run up next to a guy who he's doing the bike version of the race because uh, you can also uh, fat tire bike it. And his bike okay. is broken down. Um, yeah. And obviously, once you stop moving, you can get hypothermic really quick. Um, bad stuff can happen. Yeah, so, things change. So I stop. I'm like, hey, man, like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I'm warm. I'm I'm good. Uh, a support vehicle is actually coming to get me and, and take me home because my, my bike is broken, basically. And I'm like, oh, um, I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, but to be honest with you, I'm out of water, and I know it's a long time to, <laughs> till the finish. If you don't mind me like having your last bit of water since you're going home. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, totally, man. So he's like getting me his water, and we're like chit-chatting for a couple minutes. And um, then the support vehicle rolls up. And I'm like, is there space in that van? Because, like, I've been staying here a while, and I, I don't think it's worth it to, uh, to run the next 13 miles. And they're like, 13? It's another 24. I'm oh. Like, <laughs> like, wait, what? Okay. So I'm at mile 67. You're telling me 24 more. It's actually, like, a 92-mile race or something. I think I'll definitely, oh, I'll definitely get in that van. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> So that's that's what happened there. So it did feel kind of like reliving that memory of of being in the lead, a you know potentially mm-hmm. a record sort of pace, but um, being in one of those situations where just because you're at just because you're in the lead or just because you're at the top doesn't mean it's it's easy and that you don't have that um, desire to quit. 
and if there's no big motivating why if you don't have that like i have to finish this because mm-hmm. of this important reason it's it's so easy just just to not do it absolutely so like actually so two two things here so i i hear all these people talk about like going going big and going all out and stuff mm-hmm. and that i so i finished racing the race this weekend um at 11 hours. I had still another hour on the clock and I was holding like, I, I had some GI issues and stuff early on in the race. I was holding really, really decent times. And then I was like, okay, I'm still going to come out here and run over 40 and get the contender status. But then talking about like running your own race and mm-hmm. kind of doing, doing your own thing. I knew I had less than I had right at right over an hour left on the clock to do a lap. And I was like, man, if I really power down now and just plow i might be able to squeak one more out and make a clean 50 um but i was like you know what i'm okay with my 45 i'm i'm good here i'm happy and this is i guess that's like true to running your own race so much like like well, I, I knew what i wanted to do and i was okay with it well what do you say to those people i mean because we hear it all the time that you know, beast mode and you never quit and quitting's never acceptable and you, you sign up for something and you finish it no matter what. Like, what do you say to those people who, you know, he finished just it. say you I quit and, you know, that it's, you know, whatever. They, they have shit to say about it. You know, how do you respond to that? Um, for most of them, uh, I would say if you would at least apply that mentality into your daily life and your daily training, um, and not just on race day, then your performance would probably be a lot better. Oh snap! <laughs> <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Shot fired. But no, there's definitely you know, some. We wouldn't be having this that. conversation. There's, they'll they'll go beast mode for a, a 20 minute workout during the week, and then go beast mode for their race, and wonder why they struggle to get their contender status or struggle to. Make cutoffs and an ultra or whatever it is when they're mm-hmm. preaching beast mode all the time. It's well, go beast mode with your organization, with your time management, and make some more time to train. And then maybe you can not have to go beast mode to make the cutoffs. Um, mm-hmm. No, yep. people saying that are not high level athletes. I've never heard a high level performer, someone that's a top 10 uh, contender, saying that kind of stuff to me. So, other than Hunter. <laughs> which let's be real here hunter has walked off the course before we, we know that he has walked off before but you know i think that you know i mean i personally can think of several elites that have walked off course for oh, various yeah. situations i mean you've got bracken several years ago in chicago i know i think what mr spear or something and then walked off like right mm-hmm. before the finish line you had hunter and and Woodsy walked off during the uh, World Championship race um, at the rig after failing that. I know Morgan has dropped out many times from different races. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's something that we're seeing. Um, and I think, you know, I think you might be right. I think that the people that I hear often the loudest in, you know, protest are not at that level. Yeah. And... You know, they. I think that's something people don't appreciate uh, enough is they think that just because you're faster or finishing in the top, that somehow it's easier. Yeah. Uh, if if anything, it's harder. You get you have that ability to uh, suffer more intensely for longer periods of time. 
Uh, and, you know, the amount of suffering that, you know, someone like Ryan Atkins is in 20 hours into World's mm-hmm. Toughest, um, mm-hmm. it's a lot more than your, your average person at Toughest. Um, so that, that capacity for suffering, the amount of suffering goes up, and that desire to quit gets mm-hmm. even stronger. Um, and sometimes the, the risk isn't worth the reward. Um, and sometimes you just got to make the right call for you. You know, my brother Heather Olson, who was there with me, and she was running it. She took fourth in the women's. Um, she she ended up making it forty miles. But to to speak on that, like depth over distance kind of mantra. So she went and did WTM in Vegas the last time that they were there, and she made it fifty miles in the twenty four hour period. Um, she was like, you know, I just kept walking and I just kept going, and then she made it forty here in in twelve hours, and she was like, that's one of the hardest things I've ever did because I had to perform. She's like, I knew I had a cutoff and I knew I kind of had a goal and I just went after it and I went swinging. And I think like to where you're at, it's like the performance aspect of it is just a whole different ball game. Yeah. So how do you feel about things now? Are, you know, are you someone who, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks and kind of second guesses yourself? Are you still feeling good with your decision? Given the same situation again, would you do it again? If, you know, everything exactly the same, if you just rewind to that second that I decided uh, not to keep going, yeah, I would, I would stick to, I would stick to that. I, if I could go back and relive the whole experience, I probably would have just not taken those 10 minute breaks in the tent and yeah. probably just run 40 straight through and stopped at 40. Um, I probably would have felt better about that number and not like stopping and going and stopping and going sort on those last couple laps but i'm i don't regret you know dropping at some point i yeah. think you know it would have been more optimal to just tough it out um for one more lap rather than you know waste some time in the in the right. pit area well speaking to that one more lap would have gotten you the contender status for world's toughest is that something on your radar now are these 12 hour events something that you are still have any interest in or are you realizing that I'm done with this stuff? Uh, both, you know, um, like I said, in my post, I'm just not at a spot with my training right now where it's mm-hmm. a smart thing to do. It's not that I don't like it or wouldn't want to do it. Um, but like I said, since finishing or since dropping from that 80 mile winter ultra back in last December, I've only run, um, farther than, 10 miles once or twice yeah um so it's just not necessarily the smartest thing to do to go into going to well, 12 definitely speaks events. volumes to your training and your you know overall yeah, fitness the, that the fitness is there <laughs> right despite the fact that that's not how you train you know you were still able to come in and just swing 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 for the fences dominating <laughs> right performance yeah so you know along those lines if i did make some changes and get back into the distance training again, uh, actually put in those long runs and that sort of thing. Uh, I think I could really enjoy the, the 12 hours. Mm-hmm. I don't think 24 is something I want to do this year. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And so I'm going into WTM this year for the second time and I made it, I made it 50 last year and it was about 13, 14 hours total is what I, what it took me. But there's, 
Atlanta last year in that cold that we faced was a whole different. I never faced anything like that. Yeah, I don't think very very many people have. I mean, it was it was brutal. It was something different. Yeah, and it's a, you know, I'm I'm ex- and people always talk about like going back. Oh, I'm gonna get revenge. And once again, I feel like these people that talk like, oh, I'm gonna get revenge, or I've got I've got a do I've got a score to settle with this course. It, mm-hmm. And Killington's always one that people are always about that like, but um, I don't have any bad feelings about my my performance at WTM last year. I, I I quit when I wanted to quit. I knew that if I kept going, I was probably going to hurt myself. And I'm going to go out there again this year, hopefully, and I'm training accordingly, just to see what I got, um, just to lay it out there on the line and see what happens and have a good time. And yeah. well- I think what you just said right there and have a good time. I think, you know, we have all, I mean, I would assume we've all been, I can speak for myself, have been in races where, you know, best of intentions, I train, I'm excited, I'm prepared. And you just get out there and it's just an off day. You know, it's just, it's just, I'm not feeling it. Um, My legs aren't doing what I'm telling them to do. And the obstacles are harder than they should be. And, I realized several times I said, this isn't fun. Like I'm not enjoying myself right now. And mm-hmm. so, you know, then it comes down to, you know, what we just discussed. It's what is your why and why are you doing this? You know, and are you the kind of person that's just going to push your body through to finish it just because and versus the person who realizes this isn't fun, but hanging out with my friends down there is fun. So I'm going to do that. So what makes someone better or making the right choice you know i don't know yeah and you know to jacob's point um people talking about getting revenge on a on a course they talk like the course is doing something to them uh, <laughs> courses don't do anything to you like you're just doing stuff to yourself out on the course so <laughs> yeah if, if you have a score to settle with just with yourself um that's a really really good mantra so if if you feel like something happened out there that you weren't proud of and you want to change it then Maybe no. you should work on your training. <laughs> work, work on that training. Um, uh, but then to, to Leah's point, um, it's not always going to be fun. So it's, it, there's a fine line, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. You got to have fun. You got to do your run your own race. Do it right <laughs> for you. But also there's that acknowledgement of, well, it is going to suck at some point. Um, so having the mindset to be able to um, think about how am I, how I going to feel about this later and be able mm-hmm. to kind of put yourself in uh, your future self's shoes and think about things uh, and make sure that you can sit with whatever decision you make. That's you know, a good point. A, I've got a really good friend who from Colorado. His name's Chad Spring. He's an ultra runner there. Um, and he's actually, I'm headed out with him here in two weeks to do the Colorado ultra. And we've talked a lot about, we had a moment here after, um, after the Ohio ultra, cause he, um, he pulled himself after one lap of the Ohio ultra because he wasn't feeling it. He's like, you know, um, feeling real beat up. Um, it's, it's not for me. But he's, he spoke some real good wisdom on me there in that race. And he said, you know, I feel like we live in this generation right now where, one, we're looking for a lot of external validation through things like social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram. But also we feel like we need to have a story about it. 
you know, mm-hmm. I feel like like so many people are like, oh, you know, I need to explain myself. And oh, the yeah, fact you is, see you it pulled... every day the next morning after a race. People yep. like, oh, well, I wasn't feeling real good going into it, but I decided to push through or whatever but random. The fact story. is nobody gives a shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Like the only person you've got to tell that to is yourself. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, that's that's probably one of the best things that Chad has told me in the past year is like, you know, I, I, he's like, I'm going home. I pulled myself. Cool. Whatever. I'm going to go have some beers. Uh, right. <laughs> I'll do better so, in, in Colorado. <laughs> well, Alec, you said you're, you're not looking towards world's toughest. What does the rest of the season look like for you? What are you, what are you focusing on? That's, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I've been trying out some, uh, some different uh, training techniques, I guess you could say. <laughs> I'm always experimenting with uh, workouts to use with, with my athletes, with my clients. Um, sure. You know, at, at this point, I, I train people full-time working with 50, 60 athletes at a time, both that's in great. and virtually. Interesting. Um, okay. So that's kind of where my focus is, is just mm-hmm. being the best coach I can be. And often that means uh, experimenting on myself with, with different training methodologies and seeing what works and what doesn't work. Uh, and stuff like that so I'd say more than anything that's what my focus is and okay. we'll just kind of see what happens with my fitness and if any races seem uh seem interesting I am signed <laughs> up for uh an ultra in Hawaii um the Maui nice. skyline 35 mile nice, um, nice. just because There's... like why not <laughs> uh, why not? I've got a race there in Hawaii that's on my bucket list big time oh my gosh but yeah. I but it's a paddleboard race so it's really weird that, is it 36 36 miler yeah, that is the one <laughs> yeah that's awesome that would be a cool one to do i lived in hawaii um for six months of 2017 oh, cool. uh awesome. i got married so i was looking up all the cool races there yeah the mala yeah awesome well for those people who you know now hearing about you doing coaching and those people who want to connect with you um, you know, what, what, how can people get in touch with you if they want to follow you, if they want to contact you? Um, uh, probably the easiest thing to remember is just send me a message on Facebook. I mean, that's, that's probably the easiest way to get connected. And then no one has to remember any sort of website links, uh, or anything like that. Um, so if you're interested, um, just send me a message. I can send you a website for more info or we can just chat there. Um, yeah, simple is good. So just reach out and we'll get connected. Fantastic. Awesome, well, awesome. we appreciate you taking the time and, and chatting with us and kind of looking at things from a different perspective than I think we are constantly It's a refreshing hearing. perspective. <laughs> For sure. Is there any sponsors or shout outs or anything like that you want to drop? Um, I wish I could have thought of that ahead of time. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any sponsors to shout out, that's for sure. Uh, although always open, if there's anyone listening, that's like, yeah, I want to support this guy and uh, just reach out. Um, but no, no sponsors at the moment. And, um, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to think on that. There's a, there's a lot of helpful people and a lot of people who have, uh, you know, made this, this dream of, of running and coaching and training sort of full time, uh, a possibility, but too many to think about off the top of my head. Catch you, about you, Jacob. Anybody this week? Uh, this week, we uh, once again want to give a big shout out um, to everybody racing this week. Congratulations! You know you, you did great over the weekend in Utah. Um, quick shout out: we're excited for Human Octane's new drop. 
here in the next two months. Uh, Human Octane is the clothing apparel sponsor of Bro CR. Uh, we've got a lot of guys and our team out there in Utah this weekend racing in it. Uh, check out the Rebel Runners out there, Human Octane. Uh, their pants are dropping here for the fall season. Um, they had a Kickstarter on it. should be coming here in the next month, and I'm really excited for that for Tahoe because it's going to be cold. Wait. Additionally, we've got a going to be having on um, our buddy Leah and I will be co-hosting at the Highlander Assault here in about, I can't believe it's like two months away. It's uh, my birthday weekend, so it's Leah's I birthday weekend. This will be Kilt City. Huge turnout at the Highlander Games. It is up up in your neck of the woods, Alec. It is um, up near Chicago. Ponsonish area. Um, we are going to be bringing you some more information about that race. Um, here in the next few weeks. There are several different racing options, and both Jacob and I are going to be there and emceeing the event. We are so excited. We are um, pumped. And it's my birthday, so come out and celebrate with us. You can use There's discount like a code. 24 Star. mile option. Oh, great options. <laughs> if you have not signed up yet, go to the Highlander Assault. Um, sign up with code BROCR, save some cash. Um, and until Prices next time. increase, I believe, here in four days. So check it out quick, guys. Yep. yep, check it out. And until next time, I'm Leah Hensley. I'm Jacob Bosecker. We'll see you guys out there on the course. Bye, guys.